This is interesting because typically we always do everything live. And I guess mm -hmm. in a sense, this is sort of live, but every once in a while we will uh, broadcast it live. Yeah. It, we'll we'll send yeah. an invite out to certain people that, you know, they're just logistically, it's, it's really, really difficult. And, and this is one of these cases where it's like, hey, if you have an opportunity to book someone on the show, then we'll make the exception. Less than before. five, I would say. Yeah, I was, I was thinking, I was thinking maybe we've done it three, we've done this three times. Um, yeah, not a lot. Yeah. But that was, with that though, that was one thing. And I think I committed to you and I committed to some other people as like, hey, once a week, when it comes to booking guests, we do all that uh, on our own. But it's like, hey, once a week, let's just do a, take a moonshot and see who we can get on the show. Um, mm -hmm. And this is one of those uh, that, hey, I just reached out and it's just, and it worked. Super excited about this interview because um, he just, he just, if you don't, I mean, what's the Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott quote, right? right. You miss every you, shot you, get, you don't take. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? Whatever. Yeah. It's, and sometimes you got to fight, you know, fight a little harder for it. Um, but I think I, I think people just, it, it, it's, and we talk about this a little bit too, right? And in the show where it's like, if you don't, um, if you don't go after it, you'll never know. You never know what you can right. achieve. And I, I, what's the worst that can happen? Oh, they ghost you? Okay. Well, the crazy thing is, I think based on, on our track records of, of booking guests, we get ghosted more from uh, people that were really going the extra mile to try to help than we do the people that are getting after it. Yeah. I mean, the harder in theory guess to get, the, the easier to get them, if you will, I guess is what we're saying. I don't know. I don't know if easier know. is the right word, but, but um, you know, it, some is people... It, is it is it the pretty person that's uh, standing against the wall at a high school dance? And the only reason is because no one asked him to dance. I don't know. Well, that wasn't me, but anyway, <laughs> so you have this, you have this product, um, a hydro, which is a rolling machine. How, how did you even hear about hydro? Because I remember when you bought it, I was like, Oh, I've never heard of this. Like, how, yeah. Did, was your wife that found it? Like, what, like what was the whole, we always wanted a, we always wanted one, uh, a rowing machine. Um, but I think that we first learned about it on Strava. So, uh, again, it's, uh, kudos to, uh, a concept too wasn't enough. Well, we wanted to make sure that it was something, yeah, I, I just, I wanted something that was like from a product design standpoint, that was going to be great. Uh, and, and, you know, so this is the, really like the Peloton of, of rolling machines Fair. Yeah. and yeah. So, uh, yeah, Nick is one of the the one of the athletes on hydro but he's also a startup founder and we've talked several times about how business and sports uh relates to one another and is this as an opportunity to hey how do we chop up sports and business and this is one of those things you never know i guess where business might be a little bit more difficult is you don't know where the finish line is, at least with sports. If you're running or rowing or swimming, you kind of know where the finish, the finish line. line is, but it's true. Business, not so much. So I hope everybody enjoys the, uh, enjoys the interview with, with Nick. Awesome. Hey everybody. Welcome to uh, this week's interview on the Fervent Four show. We have a, a special guest with us this week. Uh, we have Nick Karwaski from Hydro, uh, Many times we've, Zach and I, you and I, we've talked about how 
sports and fitness translates over into business and business. I mean, it just, it's, it all works together and really in life, you get out of it, what you put into it. And, um, I've been a, a hydroer for the last nine or 10 months. And, uh, it's, it's an interesting thing because you, you, it's like a Peloton in the sense of you row with athletes and you feel like you get to know these athletes over the course of time. So this is the first time that I've had a chance to talk to Nick, but I feel like I know so much about you. So uh, welcome to the show, Nick. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it is. It's funny because it's, I get to, I rarely do I get to interact with, with members, um, hydronauts as, as we call them. Um, but it's, it's so much more enjoyable getting to see faces instead of just the usernames and all that. So no, I'm, I'm pumped to be here. Thank you guys. Yeah, appreciate it. Is that is that a difficult thing? Just talking to a screen. So I have a I have a, a TV background, and I know like looking into a a, a camera can be a a daunting thing, a weird thing. Like it, it's 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 just odd. I guess you get used to it at, at some point. But is is it weird going through that? Like when did you get used to it? Are you used to it? I mean, obviously you're on the water when you do it, which is an even uh, wilder like production um, hardcore thing to do. Like I mean, that's that's a yeah. challenge. Like. Yeah. My, my background, so I worked on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. I was in the NBC Page program for, for a little over a year. And I always wanted to get into production. That's like what I wanted to do. That's why I went out to Los Angeles and just thought like behind the camera stuff was really, really cool to figure out how that all worked. So um, I'm assuming you guys are still there, no? Yep. yep. Okay, right cool. Yeah, I cut to just me, so I wasn't sure. Um, so that was like kind of my we, original. We, we fooled the production guy. I mean, that's yeah. we, <laughs> there we go. As a production, so that was like always my initial interest. Then you know, fast forward to my my athletic career. I'm always doing sports that you're looking for: running, swimming, biking. You're looking in the direction you're going. Rowing is you know you're having to, especially single sculling. You have to check over your shoulder and. Um, kind of find your point, find your direction, take a couple strokes, then check again. Now you're literally staring at a camera um, and there's a variety of cameras. So you have to like kind of know which one you're looking at and talking to people who you know are on the other side of that, sometimes live, sometimes later on demand. Uh, so it definitely becomes like a little bit of this, you know, obviously muscle memory where you kind of like, I know that the cameraman is cleaning his camera. So that means obviously they're not using that footage. So you got to look to this other one while you're trying to make sure that you're going and following the person that's directing you. So for the first three months of Hydro, James Dietz and Sarah Moon and I, all we did was row and train and practice. And before we were filming, before we even had a product at Hydro, all we were doing was like getting reps in, getting practice in, figuring out looking at this camera, smiling, even though you're growing at a 30 or 32. So there was a little bit of like performance coaching. There was a little bit of like, how can we speak a language that's going to be universally understood? That's not too rowery, not too um, like just making sense for everyone, all while going in the opposite direction that you're talking in. So definitely an interesting challenge. But now after doing, I think like eight, 800 850 workouts on hydro it's kind of like all right i can i can you know we traveled all these places around the world so now there's that third element of i want to make sure that what the member is seeing with fjords or mountains or dolphins or boats or whatever's happening around us as we're live on the water that i'm also incorporating that and not just telling a story about a couch that i owned and, and sold one time or something like that so 
It's interesting. I just watched the Tour de France. I tried watching a little bit every single day. And then I um, this year I watched uh, the Daytona 500 for the first time like ever. I'm not, a, I'm not a race car guy at all, but I, I was watching it from a production value standpoint. Uh, I've, I don't own a Hydro, but I've heard Tim talk about Hydro. And just hearing you say that, it's interesting how the, from a production value, something that seems so simple that you can do on a normal day is so incredibly difficult to get to, to look really nice, right? So people are trying to do it in triathlons. I've done a couple Ironmans, myself, a couple, three or four, I can't remember, three or four 70.3 Ironmans. Oh, nice. And the production value of the videos that they're trying to do, it isn't there yet. And, and it's, 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 it's very interesting that you watch a football game and you're like, oh my gosh, well, why couldn't you just do that thing? But you have this controlled environment, which is, is very easy to, to do whatever you want in. In your world, you don't have that controlled environment. Right. I mean, I just, you, you said the, the camera guys clean off the lens and I'm thinking, I'm like, well, why? Well, I'm sure it's water hitting wind. It could be anything in that world. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's kudos to you guys for, for figuring out that. And it's, it's, it's gotta be a wild ride. It's been, it's been a fun process kind of startups in general, I think are very fun because you, especially early on uh, before we had a product, before we had any members figuring out, okay, how can we do this and how can we do it well? And also looking at other competitors in the industry, trying to figure out, um, okay, most people, most competitors to hydro are in a studio in perfect lighting, you know, quarter of a million dollar house cameras in, and, and they have a X marks the spot is where they're standing. That is not the case for, for us. We're on the water in a boat that if boats go by, if things you're, you're constantly dealing with wave and waves and weather and wind and, um, kind of have to just adjust and, and figure out and not only adjust from the production standpoint, but adjust from how I'm talking about it while leading someone like Tim through the workout mm -hmm. and not distracting and pulling away because there is that fine balance of like, oh, look at this massive yacht that we're going by. But also let's focus on how hard this you know workout at this current moment is. And so it is kind of that uh, not having that feedback of, you know, what is the score of the game? What is the, the narrative of this game where this player is rushing for, you know, 300 yards or whatever it is and, you know, cutting to this player on the bench or whatever. Like there's all these different things where it's like at the end of the day, this is fitness. At the end of the day, the focus should be the workout. So all the other stuff that's happening is kind of just like, yeah, you either lean into it or you don't, but it, it's fun figuring it out for sure. What uh, are were, are you, Sarah and James, are you the original three athletes that started with Hydro? Danny, Danny Hansen was the okay. first athlete that kind of, they went down to Florida in um, early 2018, uh, just to kind of con proof of concept. Can we do this? Can we do this thing on the water? Um, then in the summer of 2018, uh, James and myself and Sarah were pretty much all brought on the same day, having submitted a 60 minute video, uh, 60 second video of who we are, what our background is. And my boss, our, our kind of executive of our content team, 100% uh, thought that I was my brother, um, who's a two-time Olympic rower, uh, my younger brother. And he called me Alex in an email and I was like, should I correct him? Should I not? Should I let him know I'm not the rower that he thinks? And I let him know that I was very much the triathlete runner guy. Um, but it was, it was kind of, um, we started that same day and with Danny kind of piece together okay what should the first minute look like what are the things that we have to talk about um what are how how is the boat going to follow us as we go around the windy charles river um 
And then from there, starting to put together how we're going to travel. We can't film in Boston in the winter. So where are we going to go? How are we going to do this? Is you know Miami was the next place. So it was kind of this leaning into my limited production uh, background as far as being a PA on a variety of different television shows and movie sets. Uh, it was like, okay, I can, I need to figure out how crew and athletes and boats and equipment need to get from point A to point B. Um, and James is going to kind of work with the athletes and help, you know, coach up any new athletes. Same with Danny. Um, Sarah was training, so she had her focus. So that was kind of the breakdown of how it all um, started, you know, progressing as, as far as a company in live outdoor reality. And the thing that's, that I find interesting, there's even another layer on top of that. I'm sure that you're working with the C-suite uh, you know, in terms of looking at membership numbers, because at the same time, you're, you're continuing to raise money and you need to gain members and you're probably watching churn and, and, and the different metrics in terms of to make sure that membership base continues to grow. I yeah. mean, it's just, and so that's part of the, what I want our audience to hear is like, this is, this, this is quite the production, you know, terrible, no pun intended there, but it is, it's, there's a lot of moving parts to do it really, really well. And you guys all do it really, really well. I mean, yeah. it just, it just works. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's been um, that part right there is like, okay, we have members and then we're trying to get more members, but we can't neglect the members that, are here in doing this, but we also need to do things that attract new members. We, as the people on the content team, the experience team, we call it, um, the, the, the editors, the you know, people who plan the content, people who make the content, and people who you know, make the content look really good and publish it on, on the Hydro. Um, those are the people who, like, we need to be working well together. We need to be figuring out you know, like we were talking about briefly before, the runner's program, putting together a runner's program for people who own a hydro. Okay, is that attractive for people who don't have hydro? How do we use that? So it's it's a fine balance for sure and making sure that uh, the people who buy hydro end up being, you know, lifetime people who are consistently using it um, and not turning, like you said. So Yeah, I mean, well, I think that if anything, you guys, you guys, you do it so well that sometimes I have to remind myself that, you are still very much a startup in the sense of you're really new into the game. Uh, and, and so it's fun to watch the evolution as you continue to introduce new things and just adding substance to the overall experience that hydro gives you. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. It is even more interesting from the inside. <laughs> I, I grew up in Northern Virginia. Um, 38 I played soccer, lacro lacrosse was very late into my senior year of, of high school in, in 2002. Um, I played basketball a little bit, was a big swimmer, rode, rode bikes as a kid type of thing. Rowing was never a, a, a thing, right? And when I think of rowing, it's probably, the last time I probably saw rowing was either the Olympics or in the Social Network Facebook movie, right? When the Winklevoss twins are, are, are rolling down the river, probably in Boston, right? Knowing that, like, are there a lot of people that, that are rowers or what, what are people attracted to to get onto the hydro? And how do you when it's a sport that not a lot of people who even might be athletes haven't really been on? Um, yeah. how, how do you guys kind of convince people or, or yeah, attract that, them to it? That's a great question. I think at the end of the day, you you hydro has, rowing in general has this um, kind of elite private 
um, connotations to it. Like unless you go to private school, unless you go to one of those Ivy League schools, you're not really going to ever have the chance to do it. And the reality is like everyone kind of knows someone who has a niece or a, a nephew or a cousin who did rowing in college or maybe you know someone who did it for a year or whatever that is and so hydro's mission from the beginning bruce smith's vision was and i remember this in my interview with him uh, back in summer of 2018 was rowing at the beginning of the 19th century used to be um or the 20th century in the early 1900s i should say was like this thing that was was on the front page of every newspaper. Um, it was always like, we're doing this thing together, like who's winning, they're a boat length ahead, um, this teamwork. It wasn't until uh, football kind of came into the picture that it was like the gridiron, us against each other, as opposed to us kind of working together um, in a boat. Um, you know, betting was huge because they would the losers change shirts. Um, or, or bet shirts and the losing boat has to give the, the shirt, their shirt to the winning team. Um, so there's tons and tons of history, history with the sport of rowing. I think hydro um, is really made rowing far more accessible to anyone because if you don't live near water, if you don't have access to a boathouse, if you don't have 40 minutes to get to the boathouse, get your boat, get your team, if you're going with in a, a, you know, a, a, a team boat, um, get the oars, carry them down to the dock, get the boat, carry that down, get in the water, fix your feet, go out for at least an hour to make the, the prep work all worth it, come back, reverse all of that, and then drive home. That's You're talking two, three hours to get a workout in. It's it's not exactly the most logistically easy sport to do, and that's coming from a triathlete where that's a lot of work in a triathlon to do. Um, and even swimming to a certain extent, you, you have that. You need a place to swim. You need that. You need the goggles, all this equipment. Rowing is that to the to the tenth degree. Yeah, but you don't gotta take the boat aspect of it and right. swing. Now you have this machine that's in your yeah. living room that brings the excitement of what rowing is on the water, team aspect. Um, you know, the biggest difference between I think the sport of rowing and what we do at Hydro is usually you don't talk in a boat. It's pretty much you listen to what the coach or the coxswain says and you are not talking. That is very much um, like the antithesis. If you're someone who talks in a boat, that's like kind of a faux pas. So what we do on camera talking and leading us through the workout is very much not rowing. Um, so I think hydro is trying to bring that. And like I said, 90 to 95% of the people who own hydros are not rowers. They're people who maybe they can't do the high impact sports anymore. Um, maybe they can't, um, you know, be as active as they once were, but being able to have three points of contact between your feet, your seat, and your your hands, you're using your whole body, 86% of your muscles, as we like to say at Hydro. Um, yeah. It's your legs, it's your glutes, it's your core, it's your your lats, your um, everything. And, and the amount of effort that you put into it is what is going to feel the resistance uh, coming out of it. So you can have a nice, easy, steady day where you're just kind of finding that rhythm and, and nice and easy matching along with the instructor the athlete or you can be you know going all out uh trying to hit a max pr you don't need 20 30 45 minutes on a rowing machine you can do a lot of work in 10 15 20 minutes so i think that is kind of the beauty of, of hydro is that it is making it much more accessible to people and my favorite thing is that when we hear members say i've had my hydro for 8 10 12 months and I just joined my local club to try rowing on the water. And it's like, that's mm. not going to be everyone, but there is a small percentage of people who are leading them to go and try the, the closest club to them, which is, which is pretty cool. Well, Tim, you're in that eight to 12 month range. Have you joined the club yet? I mean, be that guy. 
I know, man. I got, I, I just have so much, so much on my plate, but that's not to say that I wouldn't try. I mean, like, right. Honestly, right now I was, we, we did some paddle boarding over the weekend and I was like, man, dude, I mean, like I am just talk about a core workout, just yeah. shaking, yeah. you know I mean? Just feel, I can't even imagine what it's like on, on the water with while you're rowing like that. I mean, it's just, uh, it is different. Like a lot of people will, I had this cool down that I was doing that I was like, Oh, I'm going to stretch at the end of it. Um, and you know, filming this, this cool down for hydro. And I, you can only put your oars on the water when you're sitting in a single in between your, your core and your legs, you can't really put them anywhere else. And so I forget that like, Oh, people are going to match me and put their handlebar in between their core and their legs. And like, there's resistance feeling that. And so like, I'm just stretching, doing my arm stuff and, you know, not recognizing that, Oh, that handlebar, excuse me. Like I need to tell people, put your handlebar down. Like this is, it's different as I have two individual things versus a handlebar that's connected to a machine. Like it definitely is different on the water with what we do than what people are doing on their hydro, but that general motion is very much the same. One thing that you, oh, one thing that you all have done really, really well is build that sense of community and uh and want to bring this into the business side in the sense that surrounding yourself with like-minded people is really really important and i just that the parallels between rowing and business and sports and business i really want to touch on that because you get out of it what you put into it and you all when when i'm rowing with you you i mean you just you're you're constantly pushing and pushing and pushing and it's interesting, as Zach said, I, I've been rowing for uh, nine, 10 months now. And I, I would like hit a part. Uh, yeah, I would anything under like a 235 uh, for 500 meter split. I was pretty happy with. But then, you know, then I started. I just hit something. You know, I, I really, really dug into the discomfort. And now i'm just you know I, i'm i'm getting after it uh i just i did a live row with mac uh over the weekend to hit my 750k milestone and uh it was like a 213 or a 214 split or something like that so i mean i was like yeah i was like man but yeah the point is you know you really got to lean into that discomfort and business is the exact same way um so you've got to surround yourself by with community and you all have done that I'm really not on Facebook much, but the community that you built on Facebook is, is it's a really, really solid community on hydro and how accessible you are. All of the athletes are on Instagram and whatnot is super, super cool to continue to build that sense of community. Yeah, thank you. I think that is one of the coolest parts that hydro has kind of organically or um, done is the people who end up uh, joining the, the hydro members are so encouraging. They're so inspirational. They've had their own journeys. Um, and I think that it, it is fitting because rowing, I've always said rowing is the ultimate team sport. You have eight, obviously we're in a single, uh, for the most part, sometimes doubles a couple quads, but you know, you have an eight person boat. There's no positions. You have bow seat and stroke seat. And then the seats in between, there's a little bit engine room and sure there is some strategy to where you put people. But at the end of the day, Everyone is doing the same exact thing within millimeters of them to have the, that perfect stroke time and time again over normally 2000 meter uh, race. And it is the ultimate team sport. You try to 
do that, you cannot stop. If you've ever worked out with someone who you perceive as better than you, you're, you're, I think the stat is like, you're 72% likely to work even harder because you know that people are relying on you or you know that someone, you can't let this person down. And I think that's kind of what the community of Hydro is, has put together. And the, as far as the, the um, point you made about the athletes, like that's what we are. We, we come from an athletic background, myself as a runner and triathlete, all of the other ones with the exception of Sarah coming from uh, rock climbing, a little bit of rock climbing history. Um, Akil being a former or an Olympic rower, uh, James Deeds on the national team. Um, we had a couple athletes before who were on the national team. Uh, you know, Lane Maher growing at Wisconsin now running, you know, she's run two marathons. We are athletes. We're not performers. We're not uh, uh, actors. We, we are out there doing this thing that you can't really fake a 28 and a 30. And I think that's at the end of the day, like I'm getting a workout out there as well. And I'm, and knowing that people, this is a big part of their lives, whether they're hitting their milestones or they just are being held accountable um, to hit their street, to hit whatever it is, to know that, oh, that leaderboard name, I've seen that name before. Um, seeing your, your place on that leaderboard, it is very fun to know that these people are trying to better their lives somehow and doing it through the sport of rowing. Um, it just kind of goes to that, that, um, that ultimate team sport. And, and to your comment about the leaning into the discomfort, you know, like I said, I, I've run uh, distance steeplechase 5,000 meter. I did triathlon with the USA uh, team, you know, like oh, traveled to over 17 different uh, countries and race and all these things. And, triathlon's hard i mean zach you you've done a couple of, or half ironmans you said like triathlon is is definitely hard um mm -hmm. there is something about a 2000 meter rowing um a 2k as they call it um you fall off that machine and you're just gassed like there is not many feelings like that having doing 2000 meters all out um i mean maybe a mile is equivalent but even running a mile like um you know, i run like a 406 mile and I have done like a 612 2K. That 2K is not impressive at all. Maybe the 406 sounds a little more impressive. I like to think being 6'5", 200 pounds, you know, that's that's okay. But rowing a 2K is one of the hardest things. And I think when you're in that amount of pain, knowing that other people have gone through that as well, it's kind of like this, all right, we're, we're in this together. It's a good, a good community feeling for sure. Over the last... I want to say decade, but probably even three to five years, individuals, the athletes, uh, creators of, of the like, who historically had to go take a job, be something, uh, and, and work for the man, um, have now kind of created their own brands and have been able to not just get a paycheck as being a professional athlete, but have been able to kind of do things on their own, um, uh, uh, in their own right, if you will. And it, as I'm hearing you talk, I just, I just hear about that, how, um, what got me into triathlons is probably like everyone, you know, some, at some point on NBC, I saw the triathlon or the, the Ironman in Hawaii and I put it on my bucket list as, Oh, I should do something like that. At some point I grew up a swimmer. Uh, but, uh, to make a long story straight, I was like, you know, finally I should probably do that at some point. So, so I did it. And then I started needing to, or wanting to invest more time and, and energy into learning more about the sport and getting into it. And I learned from people who were pro athletes at it. And now they can make money off of me doing this thing um, where historically you either get a paycheck from a, um, a team, I guess, or maybe you do a sponsor deal here or there. And now you can kind of uh, work with these athletes or, or create its own brand for you. And, and it's a it's an interesting uh, way for these incredible athletes, incredible people to 
make a better life for themselves. And I think that that's incredible. Is is that kind of the genesis of, of Taglon or how did you kind of come about like being, hey, like there's people here who are great and can help a lot right. of people and let's put a little bit of extra bread in their pocket. Yeah, I think you explained it perfectly. I mean, especially when you think about the term like professional athlete, you're typically thinking about, you know, football, basketball, hockey, baseball, these massive, massive contracts that you're like, it's just that's an ungodly amount of money that I could never even dream to be. Even, even So endurance sports, track and field, rowing, triathlon, cycling, swimming, um, that's very much not the case. Um, when I was I failed, I was the ninth ranked triathlete. Um, in the U.S. in 2016, uh, rolled on to the, the trials from, that was in Japan that year to go to Rio. And long story short, didn't end up making it. And now I was in this weird mental and physical place of like, what am I going to do? What's my next step here? Um, I had a lot of people that in the Los Angeles area that were kind of like knew me, knew what I was trying to do, knew that I was training full time and kind of asked me um, as I lost my support from USA Triathlon, uh, people were like, hey, can you put together a training plan for I have this race coming up? Can you put together this plan for me? Or, hey, I have this five by mile repeat workout that I'm trying to do. Can you pace me through it? And it was fun for me. It gave me purpose. It gave me like, oh, yeah, OK, I can. That's no problem. You need to run six minute mile pace for these mile repeats. Great. I can do that. No problem. Um, and then starting to look at like, oh, you have a race in two months. Like, OK, well, what have you been doing? Oh, OK, well, you should be doing uh, put especially with triathlon, like there's three disciplines. So you're a really good swimmer. All right, let's not worry about swimming. Let's put that on the back burner. Let's focus on running and cycling. Um, how are we going to do this? How are we going to put those two workouts together with a little bit of swimming and start to structure this? And my situation is, is you know, I was good, not great. And there's a lot of athletes that I came across with in all my travels and not only in triathlon, but other endurance sports that were um, – struggling to make ends meet, trying to work part-time, driving Uber, um, working part-time at, at you know, a grocery store or whatever, Whole Foods, whatever it was, to just pay their bills those months, to then be able to figure out a way to travel to these races and compete and try to get points so you could qualify for certain races. And each sport is a little different, but the governing bodies that I saw, the way in which the experience that I went through was like, I just wasn't impressed with how the governing bodies were seemingly more worried about getting a paycheck than actually winning medals for their country with the athletes that they had. So tag along very much started as this. I had seven, eight different clients that I was working with. Um, and I was like, look, there's a lot of athletes who could benefit from this. So I started kind of putting together what I wanted um, uh, tag along to look like. How If you could have an app that you could find professional athletes that were in your area um, that you could work with, that exactly what I was doing. Uh, in sports beyond just triathlon or running, um, there's, I know a lot of people from my brother and his rowing career through people I came across with in other countries and just kind of learned a lot about how different governing bodies do it. I got about 90 different professional athletes. Um, I was like, look, you guys probably don't need a manager. You probably don't need an agent, but you are getting a lot of people to ask you about the same thing that I am. And every time I pitched this to them, they were like, yeah, I already do this, but they pay me cash or they forget to pay or they have to go through PayPal or they don't. And it's like, let me handle all of that and just streamline that as much as, as much as I can. You do you, you have this incredible skill set, this incredible experience. Um, you're creating content on your social channels. Like let's just, let's just capitalize on that a little bit. And those people who want to do that, um, you know, my dream scenario is 
you know, being able to hire LeBron James and, and just play horse with him or something. And that's not really what tag along is. Tag along is for the people who, you know, want to be doing this because a hundred dollars, $200 means something to them for that week. Um, and so it kind of allowed this endurance world athlete to start making a little bit of money on the side while they were training. And that's kind of how, you know, we do console calls, we do one-on-one uh, training, and then we do training plans. And this was all in 2017, 2016, 2017, 2018. Then I joined Hydro because building an app is expensive. And so it was like, I get where you're doing it, Hydro. You want me to kind of create videos and I can row. Yeah, I'll figure that out. And then the pandemic hit and it was like, all right, we can do virtual stuff. And so it just has kind of developed into this way for people to work, people, athletes of any level to work with experienced, seasoned uh, professional athletes at any level, whether they're currently training or retired, uh, to really have an impact with people who are looking to improve together. So is like, is there an option where, uh, is it just talking back and forth or is there an option where you're like, Hey, I can, I'm going to record my running stride or, and then you can look at it and you're like, Hey, your heel's striking. This is what you need to do. Do you offer that type of capability or is it just like, Hey, send me your splits and, and this, this is what you need to work on. Yeah. Yeah. Both, both. I mean, each pro has, you know, if we have a pro that comes on and says, I'm really interested in working on training plans with people. I want to break down what they're doing and help them to that. I don't have time to do one-on-one -on -one workouts. I just want to do this. Um, whatever the pro wants to do, whatever the pro is comfortable in doing, whatever they feel like their skill set is, tag along basically allows them to do that. And so you can book any pro for whatever it is that you want. If you want video analysis on your swim form or on your stride, like you're saying, um, that if that pro is open to doing that, or we can match you up with a pro that is more comfortable doing that. So that it very yeah. much is tag along as the platform, but the pro is the person that is, is kind of, selling themselves as far as this is what I like to do. This is what I'm good at this. And, you know, if you want to talk about certain, we, I, we have people who are like, what shoes do you like to wear? And it's like, I could talk about that. I love this brand. I love this brand because of these reasons. If you have high arches, if you have, um, you know, a foot that like you like to race, I train in a certain, certain shoe and race in a different one. Why is that? Well, it's because of X, Y, or Z. What type of electrolytes do you use? What type of food do you, any of that, you're basically picking the brain of the pro that, that at one point or still is doing this at a level that is probably significantly higher, at least more fine tuned than, than you. Why not pick their brain? Why not go to them and do that? So, yeah. Yeah, that would be, I, I can definitely see how that would be super helpful. My son's uh, in the process. He, he runs cross country. I, he's he's six three now. I am not. Yeah, so uh, I'm not <laughs> even close to that. So, so it's like his his cadence his uh, is really really low because as you know, he and I'm like, dude, if you can just increase your cadence with the stride distance that you have or whatever, you know, you will increase your you know, your pace. And it was, but I, I don't have the ability to coach that. So being able to reach out to something uh, with, with tag along with that would be really, really cool. To yeah, we, we essentially that. have um, like two different types of clients for the most part. One is like that 30 to 60 year old professional who is probably a little more type A, really wants to, you know, races four or five times a year, really wants to like hit their training perfectly, make sure they're doing all the right things and work with someone, you know, one of the best athletes out there to be able to do that. Then we have the, the parents of the kids in middle school, high school, maybe even college who are like, 
what can my kid do to separate them from from the pack to get into a college to what do they have to do uh, between D3 to D1? What are the times like? Um, so, you know, my brother works with a couple different athletes at the high school level to really just say, look, and endurance sports for the most part are time you're judged off your time. So if you want to run at Oregon, you got to be, you know, top, top level to be able to get there. If you want to run in college at a D3 level, like I did, yeah, you still got to be good, but there's, there's a scale and knowing what it takes to, to land yourself on that scale is going to be a much more realistic approach to, to how to handle, um, you know, maybe you start D3 and then transfer. But like you said, hearing it from a professional versus your dad definitely is a, a different <laughs> way to handle that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting that you use that comment, his dad, because I, I wrote this stat and I didn't want to get away from it. But you said 70, I think 72 percent of people who are coached are more likely to what? What was what was the stat around? Yeah, that? So around it's, um, it's you are 72 percent likely to work harder when you are working out with someone who you perceive as better. So if you are hearing things or working out with someone who, who you're like, it's almost like you're trying to impress them, even though you know that you could never be on their level. Um, it's like you are that much more likely to get a better workout because of it, because you know that this person is like, um, like for example, I, I work out with this one client who loves, we, we, we rode together or we run together virtually. And I know what his paces are. I know what he's doing and I can see it. And I'm doing the same thing and I'm working. So he knows that when we're doing minute intervals or 400 meter intervals, my times are much faster but I'm holding him accountable and I'm yelling at him, David, come on, man. Like no slacking on this one. And so he knows that these workouts, he's like, Oh my God, that workout was just so much better than what I would have done on my own. Um, Especially like the three minutes of core that we do afterwards, like just things that you don't, that you're, whether it's with me or, or anyone having that level of accountability is, is huge. So it's the smartest person in the room. That, like don't be the smartest person in the room effect kind of like that. So I've always wondered this. I don't know that I've ever actually said this like uh, like vocally, like in a recording kind of manner, but if you are the smartest person in the room or you are that person coaching that person who is clearly like uh, uh, drafting off of you, if you will, like how do you then go and find that next person? Because in business and in sports, I feel like, you are constantly or like to 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 really succeed you have to constantly be moving rooms constantly be moving groups and like is but i don't think people actually are consciously recognizing that at the time where they could actually be lowering themselves by not being around the right type of people so is there something that you that you actively do to make sure that you're in that right room and not just be drafted off of if you will i think I think that's what I love about sports. Sports is pretty much one of the last remaining black and white worlds that exists. Like you win, you come in second, you third, yeah. you win or you lose. Like there's, there's not a lot of gray area in sport. Um, that's why I love it. Uh, you, you like music, for example, you don't have to be, how do you, how do you gauge who the best musician is? Eh, you know, maybe they toured for 40 years and like, they're just one of the greats, hall of fames, whatever that is. But like, if you have a group of people who like your music and you can make a living off of that, you're a successful musician. What makes a successful athlete? Like I very briefly heard you guys mention Allen Iverson at the beginning. And it's like, Allen Iverson was a great basketball player. Was he one of the greats? Probably was, but his career wasn't as long as it could be in these things. How do you gauge that? How do you, in sport, it's, it's black and white. You win, you lose. And I love that about it. In business, I feel like that gray area starts to get a little bit bigger. And yeah. like you said, smartest person in the room how do you know maybe 
maybe you're smart when it comes to finance and you can look through Excel sheets and identify problems here and there, but this other person is not good at that, but is really good at bringing this thing out in you. And I think that is part of the key is identifying what makes certain people uh, bring the best out of you. What makes uh, certain traits that they have that you know you need to work on um, and you're gonna, you're gonna be a little bit better version of yourself when that person is around. And I think finding those people, I, I use an expression throughout college and, and I'm sure you guys are familiar with like, you have this group of friends that you go through college with, you have these experiences with, and then you graduate 10 years down the road now. It's like, are you still friends? You gotta trim that fat a little bit. Do you, or what do these people bring to your life? Um, maybe it's just that you have a group text with them and they occasionally send a funny text, but like, in the grand scheme of you trying to succeed and get better in whatever it is you're trying to get better, do you, any time that you spend with people who you're like, I just don't, I don't see what that person's bringing me. Like, that's not nothing. Like, that's a that's a lot to kind of deal with mentally. And I think in sports and just getting better, surrounding yourself with someone who you know is better than you, uh, that that is a good feeling to be like, I worked. 10% harder today because of this person. And I'm sure it translates into other industries. And so I think it's just recognizing what people bring, how people bring the best out of you. Um, my, my sister, she says, she says things that I don't necessarily want to hear, but I need to hear it. And I think that's something where it's like plays into that same, that same genre of what we're talking about. So. Yeah. I, and I think to add on to that, not being afraid to fail is a, is really, really important as well. And, uh, in the business side, at least around where we are, it, it, people are really terrified to fail. And it's just like, so if I don't try really hard and if I don't fail, then I, I never failed. But at the same time, you never really experience what you really can truly, you know, what you're fully capable of doing. So embracing yeah. failure is awesome. And, and again, to bring it back to the hydro aspect, it's like, you know what, you give it everything you have. And if you don't, if 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 you gas out, you gas out, you, you, you get back up and you, you do it again. But yeah, like you're not me, necessarily trying to PR every day, but you always have tomorrow to, you know, get, maybe the workout wasn't as great as you wanted, but you have the next day. We were, I was sitting on a boat in Norway uh, two weeks ago with James Deeds. We were putting together this kind of special episode that was like, we have to plan it out a little bit more. It's not just 20 minutes straight. It was five minutes, James, five minutes, me, five minutes, James, five minutes, Aisha and Lane. We'll piece that all together. It'll, it'll make sense as you go through. It's a really cool workout. And um, the, James and I were like kind of thinking of themes and things and topics. And we saw this one quote that was like, oh, you tried and you failed. Congrats. Most people don't even try. Like that's, yeah. that's just a good, you know, you're going to fail. That's inevitable. But like it is not being afraid to do it again, not being afraid to, to pick yourself up and, and get, get going again. So, yeah, something I mean, that I, I learned. I'd be scared to death. When you look at the previews and I would see 32 plus, I'd be like, oof, do I really want to do that? But you know, once when I looked down, I could see splits that were sub two minutes. I was like, man, you know, that proved something to me. You know, I was like, man, I can, all right, let's go. And uh, yeah, so it's just embracing that, uh, potential to fail and overcoming that it was good stuff go ahead Zach. something that something that i learned through through tra training plans was um i started following the 80 20 uh training plan which i it makes sense now but I, at the time i had no idea so it's basically saying like go 80 percent of your time like at a decent pace but not all out and 20 percent of the time hard 
And I, and I think most people think that in everything to win, to succeed, you have to go hundred percent hard the entire time. And I think business is kind of the same too. Like you're not always going to be on your A games, right? We talk about Allen Iverson in practice, right? And, and how are Allen Iverson and his famous practice quote, uh, you think about athletes and that, you know, they're basically practicing for that 20%, right? You're basically preparing for that 20% and, and in business, right? And so it's interesting to, to, to look at stuff like that, where it's like, just 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 keep making the, mo- the motions, keep keep making the moves, but you don't always have to be, you know, on your A game every single day. And I think more people that would kind of uh, employ that uh, mindset or that strategy would see more success. And I, I, I don't know, I've just generally, what do you, what do you think about the eighty twenty rule in fitness, and and maybe even from a business perspective, is that something you've ever thought about from the the two kind of parallels? Yeah, I think there's two elements to it, right? You have like this person who's trying to be an Olympic champion. That eighty twenty rule is probably very very. Uh, you need to make practice harder than what the races are going to be. You need to be feel and uh, accustomed, get your body accustomed to what it's going to feel like at your max for the period of time that you need to be, especially in endurance sports. Um, Or you have this person who is a mother of three in her forties, just looking to find 30 minutes to herself. And I think the one cool thing about connected fitness industry in general is that it has made it more accessible, has made it more convenient to get your workout in. Um, It's giving you an alternative to a gym. But it's also kind of made this every workout really competitive. You have this leaderboard of all these names, the gender, the, the um, uh, decade of, of you know, age that you are. And so you can compete. You can filter. You can say, I want to compete against men in their 30s because that's what I am. And I want to see how I stack up. Not every workout needs to be all out winning that leaderboard. And even, uh, Tim, in some of those... Um, uh, uh, like you were talking about when you're hitting sub twos, you know, you start off at like two thirties, two thirty fives, and now at some of those 32, um, uh, stroke rate rhythm numbers, you're going in sub two. The only way that you can hit sub two, uh, is if you're taking rest during the recoveries, if you are truly recovering in the way that the workout is designed. And I think a lot of people look at, you know, I got 30 minutes, 30 minutes is my workout. I'm going hard for 30 minutes. And it's like, well, what's the purpose of this workout? Are you trying to hit, you know, four by two minute intervals, max effort, or are you just trying to go for 30 minutes steady? Because if you do 30 minutes steady, you're not going to be at your PR. If you're doing two minute chunks with a lot of rest in between, it's important to know when you sit down or when you, you know, lace up your shoes, whatever you're doing, what is the purpose of this workout? Is it just to feel good and de-stress? Fine. If it's to compete, fine. If it's to, um, really, really increase overall uh, VO2 max, like, well, that's a very different workout than steady state or an easy shakeout run or something like that. So I think what's your purpose? What's the intention of that workout? And having a training plan, knowing what that purpose of the next, maybe it's 20 day cycles. We used to have in triathlon, I would go 20 days and then have one day completely off. But within that 20 day cycle, you know, there's ups and downs. There's there's max effort days where you're going all out with a five by mile repeat, um, 20 by 100 in the pool, like these types of workouts that are structured in a way that makes sense. And then you have an easy day where you're just doing, you know, 45 minute easy, all that. So I think intent, purpose, being uh, knowledgeable of what you are trying to do. Goals are important, but like you got to enjoy the process and figure out what what your overall process is there. So if that makes sense. And that, well, that process takes a lot of time. It, it, it's just 
one of the phrases we say on the show quite a bit is you can't take the elevator to the top. You have to take the stairs. And uh, I mean, it just, you've got to go through the process and embrace it. Um, I would imagine on your end, uh, it's, it's the same deal uh, from a coaching from tag along. It's like, Hey, you're not going to get there overnight and, and stick with it. So yeah, how, how do you encourage people to, to stick with that and, and take the stairs? Yeah, tag along definitely provides a much more one-on-one approach. It, it allows me to kind of get to know what's what what do you have, first of all? What do you have access to? What are you trying to get better at? What does your typical week look like? You can structure a training plan a little more detailed. Um, what I love about Hydro and filming with Hydro is I get to be myself and I get to kind of um, distract isn't the right word. Enter Entertainment is, you know, a hybrid <laughs> word, but it is definitely like, 30 minutes of rowing sucks. So how can I, someone who's doing this with you, make that time go by just a little bit better, make you excited about the next time you're going to work out with me, you know, telling stories of how I shut down an airport or, or, um, you know, stole this kid air, AirPods that I was talking about yesterday, accidentally, all these things where it's like, this has nothing to do with you. Um, but like you said, you feel like, you know, me, cause I share these stories with you, but I share these stories because it does hopefully, uh, hopefully it does tie into a bigger theme if I can do that. Right. But if not, it at least makes the time go by. And to your point, if you can enjoy the process and, and the process involves a smile on your face at some point, you are going to look forward to doing that a little bit more, which is going to help you accomplish that goal. Whatever it is. But, yeah. There's yeah. definitely been some times that I've had to, that I've laughed out loud while trying to row. I don't, I, James is awesome. I, he just, his laugh is so contagious. And if one, I, I, you guys need to come to the Norfolk area of Virginia. There's tons of water. Yeah, I would love to have a beer with you and James. That would be, uh, be We're in, fun. Matt, how far is Matthews, Virginia from you guys? Not that uh, far. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Isn't Matthews, isn't that the Upper Peninsula, Tim? I think so. But uh, did, yeah, we, we're we home to the world's largest Navy base. Uh, we have tons and tons of water. Uh, Virginia yeah. Beach, yeah, tons. Uh, so from a production value, that's something that in, maybe I learned it from Food Network where they were like, you can't just cook, you got to tell stories, gets people, you know, it, it, bring back the family time and things like that. Um, so so I, I totally get that. I, I have a Peloton. I'm interested in this because I guess that's the only thing that I have in common with you guys at this point from a, a hydro and Peloton perspective, but like how hard are you guys actually working out percentage wise and then being able to do all this other stuff? Because sometimes I'm like dying on the Peloton and I'm like, this cat on the screen is like at like a four and <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just yeah. at four out of a hundred. Let's, let's be honest. Yeah. Right. Not at, and it's just like, you know, like this is magical. Like, dude, are, are you guys faking it? Are just... you guys working hard? Come on. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can see what the resistance uh, or the watts that the instructor is putting out on Peloton. I feel like they would work a little bit harder if you knew that. And that's honestly why I love I love sharing my times when I'm rowing. Like, some it's, yeah, it's amazing. I'm go for it. I'm like, look, I'm going to tell you what not 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 to brag or anything, but to give you, hey, this this split is at 140. But my recovery is at 250. Like the the gap between on and off. I want you to understand that it is okay to have that huge difference. Um, there's no faking 32 strokes a minute. Um, we don't have access to our hands. We can't pick and change music. So as far as hydro and the hydro athletes, like again, we come from an athletic background. That's that's what 
led us to be where we are now. Um, I, it, for some breeds, for some sweats, I would say the one time that like we may have to adjust our effort is when the water quality is so bad that like you do, you can't take full strokes because you're risking flipping, destroying camera equipment, sound equipment. So it's like, I may have to go like three quarters slide instead of all the way up. That might be the one time where like, I'm saying I'm at a 30, but I'm really at like a 26, 27 just for safety. But like, that really depends on the conditions. Um, and also if like, I'm going into a wicked bad headwind and I'm, I'm ripping at a 28 or a 30 and my splits like 220, I'm like, yeah, I'm not sharing that actually. I'm not going to be sharing my splits today. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Tim, what Sarah, you Sarah takes, uh, well, yeah, hearing all this, I mean, it's like, you know, Nick will say, uh, yeah, I'm at a, a 154. And like I said earlier, just a few minutes ago, I mean, like for me, it was significant when I was like, hey, man, I'm happy if I'm able to go sub two. Um, yeah. But it's just it's one like, stroke, right? Like, yeah, it's a good feeling. But yeah, yeah, Sarah, the shape that Sarah's in because she's training for the national team. Um, she like uh, thrives I off of. I mean, I'm dying and she's just like, man, this is, this is fun. This is the greatest thing ever. And I'm like, wow, you're next. It level. also goes back to what we were talking about before, right? Like if you are struggling, Zach, and you're, you're like, what is this guy? Is this guy actually going hard? Cause I am, uh, you're it's, there's a little bit of comfort when you know someone else is suffering with you too. Uh, when you see a little bit of uh, drool come out of my mouth or sweat <laughs> pouring down or my hair all over and like, you know, all of those things, you're like, okay, good. That person is, is practicing what he's preaching at least. And I feel like that's a good, a good feeling to have, especially when working out, you know? Okay. So what it's fun. I have, I have to mention this one real quick, Tim, and it's about you. So Tim and I, I, I texted Tim, uh, well, Tim has helped me with a streak of my own. I like I'm over, I I've worked out. Uh, I I've done some sort of physical activity <laughs> since January 2nd, 2018. So I'm over 1500, I think at this point, which is, which is rad. Some, some days way hard, some days not. So Tim always claims that he's a big sweater. And I'm like, dude, you're not a big sweater. Right. And, and so I told him I wanted to run a sub 140 half marathon on like Thanksgiving this past year. And so I trained for it. I didn't hit it. I hit like a 147, which was a four minute PR, which is still pretty good for me. But what's interesting. And I, it was very helpful to have Tim there because he ran uh, he ran it with me. So it was very helpful to have that guy, you know, the 72% rule that you talked about. Yeah. But what's interesting is he finished a couple minutes before me and then I was done. And then we, we took a picture side by side. I'll send you this picture, Andrew, so that you can see it. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll send it to you too, Nick. But uh, basically, it's Tim dry. And he had just finished the race. He ran in like 143 right? Which is still not, nowhere near his best. And then there's me right here. And I am drenched like I just got out of the pool. And I mean drenched. And it's just crazy to think that like this cat right here is like high-fiving and waving everyone. And then there's me who I'm like, just, like literally about to die. Like it is, you know, a huge effort for me, but like it's, it's important to be around other people. And, and, I, and I, yeah. And it's cool in, in rowing in particular, especially, you know, a machine like Hydro where you see the puddle of sweat where you're sitting and kind of accumulating. Um, and you know, the, that's like a big, the, the, when you're on a boat, they kind of measure how hard you're pulling by the size of the puddle of the, that, that your oar makes. Um, so you can kind of tell if people are dogging it or if they miss the water a little bit, like you really clean boat will have really equal size puddles. 
but on land, it's like the only thing you really have to go by is those big puddles of sweat and the split, obviously. But like, yeah, there is something comforting in being like, okay, good. That light blue shirt of that guy is now dark blue. Good, good. I'm glad they're there. Yeah. Yeah. Was it the uh, the race it was race on the Thames uh, uh, that that you all did as a group? And that was super motivating. I mean, because you all were getting after it, and to see yeah. you guys struggling that that was super. That that definitely took things to the next level with me of, doing at that. At least the hydro athletes, we don't sweep row, which is one oar, and you go to one side as opposed to sculling, which is an oar in each hand. Um, so sweep rowing is a lot of fine balance, and it's you know we were in eights. We practiced the day before, and then we got into it, and from the pra practice round our boat the blue boat was like oh we, we have them so we just wanted to go hard and that's when like i was talking earlier about you don't really talk when you're in a boat when you do hear someone talk in an eight and it's like a, a motivational pump up like usually a swear involved that's when you're like i need to go i need to go and so like that's a, a very cool feeling that to know that the, the, those special type of episodes on hydro do resonate with the members and kind of get that little bit extra motivation yeah, you all have a uh, have a great team, and one thing that I have noticed, like some of the best best companies, certainly in the startup area, it's like you go to social, and you see, if you tag a certain company, like everybody within that team is just they all jump on board, they've completely bought in, and Hydro is the same way. I mean, you you all post something on Instagram, and like yeah, all the athletes are all over it you're all supporting one another how much of an emphasis do you put on team and team building or is that just happened over time yeah i think there's we had um like i said danny and then james myself and sarah and then lane and mike and mac um it just kind of grew into and then akil it, it was in there and we just kind of had this like we know that what we're doing is different um we are you know we have to do this thing it's related to what the company is doing and growing. We don't necessarily see the sales the, and all those numbers all the time because our focus just is getting better at this thing. Um, but at least because we're in a double sometimes, sometimes we're in a quad, like those are the hardest workouts by far because not only it's harder to hear what the person in stroke seat is saying, um, you also have to like have a rapport with them, have a relationship with them, um, know what, you can talk about know what you really can't talk about with them and like how close can you get to that line to where there's like a big laugh that you share that is like you know the member is seeing you laughing and that's great but you both know you're laughing about this other thing because of how you asked her or whatever so the that i think just speaks to you know how you do have to do this we're carrying our own boats you're carrying your own oars like you got to do this together uh, we go to Alaska next week. And like I said, our producer just broke her leg. So like the amount of work that everyone's going to have to step up and do, um, we have to ship this boat. We have to pick it up in Canada, drop it off in Tacoma, ship it up to Anchorage, pick it up in Anchorage, drive down to Whittier, drive down to Seward. That's where we're filming out of like the amount of logistics that rowing takes in general, let alone when rowing is involved in a company where you have members and you have teammates, but you're coworkers, but you're also literally teammates. Um, it's, a, it's a, a fine balancing act for sure. And um, one that if you do, you know, I'd be lying if I said that there weren't certain athletes that don't, you know, butt heads with each other. But at the same time, it's like, let's get this workout together because at the end of the day, this is for the member. So um, it is cool to kind of see that team 
really um, uh, kind of grow as 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 the company grows itself. Well, especially I mean, you you all are you created a new segment in sports, really. I mean, rolling's been around forever, but I mean, to build that member base from when you first started, I mean, that's that's a lot of headwinds, and you. I would assume lean on one another to like, Hey, we just got to keep on doing this yeah. and get our reps in. And then we're, we're good. Yeah. It's um, this is my third startup that I've been involved in. I was involved with the company in 2012. We went on shark tank, got some money from our Cuban um, then started tag along 2018 uh, now hydro and hydro having raised a little over $200 million you know, that's real money. The other startups, you know, not not to that extent by any means, but still you learn a lot. And I think what's important when you have a company that you're, um, you have a role that you need to do, but you also have to understand how that fits into the bigger picture. Uh, that is a really, if you're not involved, if you've never done startups, you, you, your only work experience is, this is my job, this is what I do. I've kind of been of the mentality, especially over the past four years here, of if we all care a little bit more, if we all take 5% extra and put it into what we're doing, I guarantee you that's going to have a much bigger impact than just, eh, this is my job. I don't have to do that because it's not my job. And it's like, yeah, but imagine if we all did a little bit extra, we all had each other's backs a little bit more, um, you know, uh, whatever it is, that from a business perspective, I think can carry a lot longer, especially when we're a startup. Like we're still a very young company. We're about half, less than half as old as Peloton is um, and raised a fifth amount as much as money before they went public. So it's, nothing's a guarantee in business. Nothing's a guarantee in tech startups, particularly one that has to do with rowing. Um, so if we can all just like care a little bit more um, you know, maybe, maybe that equity can be worth something. Maybe, maybe what we've started, maybe the hydro membership and community can, can last a little longer because it is, it is, it's not easy work for sure. So. Well, Nick, I really, really appreciate your time. Is there anything, uh, that we didn't talk about that you'd like to share? No, I mean, you guys covered it all. I want to know more about your guys' backgrounds and, and your son's, uh, running career and all that, but, uh, maybe, maybe another time. <laughs> Yeah, it, uh, I, I definitely could talk. A, oh, a thank you guys on. very much. This is a blast. I always love talking about tag along about hydro. Um, so it's been it's been fun to talk about people who are involved in it in some way or another. Well, I uh, I, I said to myself, and I'm going to close on. I'll see you on the water. Love it, love it. <laughs>